This is episode 186 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're finishing our most recent event, Men's Roundup 2022, Community and Connection with Pastor Chad Moore. This is session four from Sunday morning. It's been such an honor to be with you guys this weekend, and uh, I want to thank you for that, that honor. Uh, I want to thank your president this year, uh, Eric Fischmuller, for uh, inviting me a couple of years ago. And um, thank you, Eric. And I, and I want to thank you again for uh, supporting me and bringing my, I'm going to cry now, my 13-year-old son. Thank you for that. Uh, it's been a really good experience. Uh, <laughs> he's making me cry. I'm going to look this way. Um, it's, it's been a really good experience, man, for the two of us, and so uh, I'm grateful for that. I met Eric uh, because Eric's mom uh, gave her life to Jesus in our church and was baptized at, at Sun Valley, and um, I, I just believe, you know, God has worked that way in your family, and I believe he's going to work on the legacy side too, brother, and so I'm believing him with you for that. Um, and, it, and it's been an, it's been an honor to be with with you guys. Um, I, I was um, sitting over there a moment ago, and uh, I felt a little conviction to um, share something with you. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about um, grace today. You you can turn to First Corinthians thirteen uh, if you got your Bible. It'll be on the screen here in just a moment. But um, I, I felt convicted to share this before we before we dive into that. God is, is doing something. I know it doesn't feel like it when you watch the news and you pay attention to media and, and all of that. But, but God is, is, is moving in an interesting way um, across our, our nation. I, I know it doesn't feel like it, but I'm telling you behind the scenes it's, it's happening. And, and by the way, the first requirement of a miracle is a problem. And, and so we're ready, you know, right? We, we got that part of it. Um, a, a few years ago, I was uh, sitting around a, a table in Southern California uh, with, with some, some large church uh, pastors. Uh, if I went around the table and said their names, you guys would, would know some of them. You would know their names. And um, the guy that was leading us uh, said, you know, just personally, what's God doing in your life? And to a man around the table, we all talked about experiences with the Holy Spirit. All of us from, from different places. Um, let, let, me, let me ask you this question. Uh, how many churches are represented in this room? Yeah, biblically speaking, it's one. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit... Is, is moving in the, in the church. And, and, I, and I just think there's these beginning kind of rumbles that are starting to, to happen in, in the realm of, of the ministry of, of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I felt convicted to tell you. So I, I come from a Baptist background. Uh, the, the church that um, God in his sense of humor allows me to, <laughs> to lead uh, is a Baptist church. Most of our people don't realize that. It's called Sun Valley Community Church, but 
but we have Baptist roots. A third of our church comes from a Catholic background, a third of our church, uh, Christmas and Easter only kind of background or no faith background at all, and then a third of our church, uh, various conservative Bible type churches like Baptist, Presbyterian, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's what makes up Sun, Sun Valley. Baptist is not in our name, but our doctrine is Baptist. We have Baptist roots. We're part of the Baptist General Conference. It's called Converge Worldwide now, which I don't know why because nobody knows what that means. But that's beside the point. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Bible church guy, okay? Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Dallas Theological Seminary dropout. I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Bible church dude, Okay? And, and here's what I think, just, just stay with me, here's what I think has happened in, in, the, in the church at, at large. And I'm going to get into what we're going to talk about today here in a second. But I, I believe I'm supposed to tell you this. Here's what I believe has happened in the church at, at large. At some point in the journey of the Big C Church, there was a great divorce. And there were Bible churches that teach the word. That's my background. And by the way, we're supposed to teach the word. Uh, the Bible is a big deal. Uh, in our church, they're like, who's in charge? I'm like, Jesus. And he's given us, you know, his policies and his word. Okay, so that's, that's what we're going with. We don't get to pick our mission statement. He already gave it to us. <laughs> we're supposed to help people meet, know, and follow him. So that's, that's what we do. All right, I'm a Bible guy. And so there's all of these Bible churches, word churches. But there's been a great divorce. On the other hand, there's all of these Holy Spirit churches. And when I was a kid, I was taught, stay away from those because those people are crazy. <laughs> right? I told you, somebody does this in worship, and I'm like, has that dude got a question? Like, why is his hand up like that? You know? And, and so the Spirit churches look at the Word churches, and they go, frozen chosen over there. Right? Like, they, they don't experience any of the gifts of the Spirit. They don't experience God's power. The Spirit churches are like, we got the power over here, right? And then the Word churches are like, do you guys even talk about the truth? Do you even open your Bible? I'm glad you're all free in Jesus over there, but, you know, the Bible says this, right? And, 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 and there's, there's Word churches and, there, and there's Spirit churches, and friends, that divorce was never supposed to happen. God operates in the realm of word and spirit. The word gives us the truth. The word informs us and the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to our hearts. I'll give you an example. Uh, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you would know the love of God I've, that's found in Christ Jesus. He, he says, I pray that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. Well, let's just break that down. I pray that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. I pray that you would know this love that surpasses your ability to know it. What does that mean? You can't learn that love on your own. What he's saying is the Holy Spirit has to reveal it to your heart. I pray that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. The work of the Spirit has to be going on for you to understand how much God loves you. It's, it's word and spirit. And, and so um, most of us, uh, just because I've gotten to know a, a lot of you, most of us kind of come from similar backgrounds. I'm just telling you, for me personally, the Holy Spirit's doing some things. 
And some things have happened in my life in the realm of the spirit the past couple of years that I didn't even know he was still doing that. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so I just want to invite you, and, and I think this is his invitation uh, through me to you, is to perhaps open yourself up. Look in the scriptures about what the Bible says about the work of the Holy Spirit and, and begin to open yourself up to that. Thus, I taught you in the beginning, right? Turn your palms up and just invite the Spirit to, to speak to you. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is counselor, comforter, and friend. Have, have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish Jesus was here, like physically? I just want to talk to him. You ever thought that? Like, I, 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 I just want to have a conversation with him and be like, you know, help a brother out, Jesus. Like, you know, help me fully understand this. Well, well the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is Jesus' replacement on the earth. That's literally what Jesus said was going to happen. I mean, just let that sink in. Jesus said, I'm going to go, but that's good. Because when I go, the Spirit's going to come. And hear this now. If Jesus were still here, he'd be locked into one place. Right? And it would be one on millions of followers, and not everybody would get to hang out with him. So instead, he just imparted to you his Spirit. So he's with you wherever you go. But it's this internal thing that, that you and I have to, have to focus on, all right? If you're taking notes, you can just write this one down. When it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, it's not hocus-pocus. It's not hocus-pocus, it's focus. It's not hocus-pocus, it's focus. And so what happens is a bunch of us come to an event like this at, at, at Roundup, you know, and we're like, oh, man. This is such a special place, right? God is here. And it is, but let me just let you in a little secret. God is everywhere. This is a special place. Do it again next year. I'm going to be praying for you. Come back. Bring a friend. Okay? But it's not hocus pocus. It's focus. God is everywhere. Holy ground is not about a place. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus. And the reason that you and I experience God here is because we are freaking focused. But when you get home, wherever it is you live, God is there too. Freaking focus. Have moments in your life where you, and you might even want to pray. By the way, that prayer, come Holy Spirit, is an ancient prayer. It's from early church fathers. Where, where you could be on a hike. This is how I do it. You can be on a hike by yourself. And I'll pray, come Holy Spirit. My ears are open and I just listen, you know. It's not hocus pocus. What is it? It's focus. I just want to encourage all of us that, you know, we came from Bible churches. I'm so grateful for that. I'm still a Bible guy. I just don't think that divorce was ever supposed to happen. It's, it's word and spirit. It's word and spirit. And Jesus said, um, I'm, I'm going to go, but that's good because the spirit's going to come. And he'll do ministry in and through you. That was far greater than what I've done. I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind? Yeah. So I believe the Holy Spirit is at work behind the scenes in our nation. I actually believe we're going to see some revival. Um, if you're thinking that we're going to win the culture war, you need to get over that thought. Um, and by the way, sometimes we're so busy using the tactics of our enemy that we forget the battle plan of the Lord.
The tactics of our enemy are divisiveness. It's the things that we read yesterday, selfish ambition, envy. James says that crap's demonic. Okay, that's the tactic of the enemy. The battle plan of the Lord is love. It sounds so wimpy, but it's only for warriors. The banner over us, the flag that we fly is love. When you hear those bagpipes and we march into war, the flag that we carry is love. Okay? And so what we're going to talk about today is, is love. I'm going to pray for us. Perhaps you want to turn your palms up. Let's receive from the Holy Spirit. And we'll wrap this thing up together. Come Holy Spirit, fill this place and fill your people and speak to us this morning. As always, I pray it would be my vocal cords, but Holy Spirit, may it be your voice. I pray each man would know this love that surpasses knowledge. I, I pray that that each man, Holy Spirit, you would reveal the love of the Father in Christ Jesus to, to your sons. And I pray that we would receive this love and that we would give it away. That you would work it in us and that we would work it out amongst us. May we be men of truth. May we be unbending there. May we be committed to the truth. But may we also be men of grace. Jesus, you were full of grace and truth, and so Holy Spirit, give us wisdom to live in the tension of grace and truth. This is what it means to follow you, Jesus. And so we ask you for wisdom now as we learn these things. Teach us, we pray. In your name we trust. Amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, this is known as the love chapter, the love chapter, right? Um, if you had a Christian wedding then somebody probably read from this passage of Scripture. Uh, but this passage of Scripture, in its context, it would include marriage, but it's not primarily about marriage. Are you with me? This passage of Scripture is how you and I are supposed to operate as followers of, of Jesus. And so he's going to use the word love here. But, by the way, when my nose runs, that means the Holy Spirit's about to move. That, that, is, that is a common... But as a common thing, my wife's always like, your nose was running and the spirit was moving, you know. I know why that is. I think it's to keep me humble, like, like I don't have enough problems. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is called the love chapter, and, and he's going to say the word love. But here's how I want you to think about it, because in the original language, this is what it means, and, and this will be more practical for us. He says love here, but what he's talking about is grace. Okay. Grace is not just a doctrine that we believe in. It's also a truth that we're to walk in. Okay? It's not just a doctrine that we're to believe in. Grace is a truth that we're to walk in. And so here's, here's, here's what grace is. Grace is what love looks like in a broken world. Grace is what love looks like when it meets brokenness. Grace is what love looks like when it meets us in our sin. Grace is what love looks like when it meets imperfection. You with me? Okay. How many of you know that the world is broken? Yeah. The weather is broken. 
And by the way, I really appreciated the past few days, this cold front that I've experienced personally because I came from the desert where it's 112 degrees. Praise God. Thank you for having me uh, in, in Oregon this, this, this weekend. Obviously, the weather's broken. Uh, politics, all that. People think that's the answer. Don't spend too much time with that, guys. Vote your conscience. Do, do your best. But that's not the hope of the world. Invest your life in the hope of the world. His name's Jesus. Okay? Um, and, and all of that. And, and by the way, Jesus is the hope for our nation, too. Um, and, and so let, let's be wise and, and, and let's, let's vote with our biblical convictions and let's represent the truth, but let's put our hope in, in Jesus. That whole system, uh, and I believe America is the greatest country in the world. I, I believe that, that the Constitution was <laughs> uh, divinely inspired. I mean, it's a pretty good system, right? But it's not perfect. And so our hope is in, is in, is in Jesus. The system is, is broken. Um, I'm going to confess to you that I'm broken. I can't live up to my own standard, much less God's. Okay? You can't live up to your own standard either. Because you all got stuff in your life you know needs to change and, you know, we're all working on it. Is everybody with me? Okay. So, grace is what love looks like in, in brokenness. So, so, let's read it and see if you don't see the reality of, of grace in this, in this chapter. All right? Let's, let's read it together. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. What do you think grace is? It's patient. You with me? Are you guys putting this together? Okay, so if you look at the Greek here, I'm telling you, practically speaking for us, to better understand what the passage is saying, just think the word grace. Okay? I have a friend that says, Chad, you can't say grace with that Texas accent. Grace. It's much too beautiful. He goes, talk like your wife. Grace. <laughs> so roll that R, dude. Grace. It's amazing grace. Maybe you want to look to a brother next to you and just go, grace. There you go. All right, so we're talking about grace here. Here it is. Love is patient. Grace is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is not a definition of love as much as it is a description of what it looks like when it's happening or not happening in this passage of Scripture. Are you with me? It's not a definition of grace, but it's a picture of what grace looks like when it's happening or not, or not happening. Love is patient. Love is kind. That's what it is. Here's what it doesn't do. It does not envy, and it does not boast, and it is not, say the next word with me, guys. There you go. It is not rude. Come on. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love, grace, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Grace is not the absence of truth. Love is not the absence of truth. It rejoices with truth because truth is our hope. Truth is what we, what we need. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love. Amazing grace. Love. Never fails. I'm going to read it one more time. Leave it on the screen. And now I'm going to add the name Jesus. Read it with me. Follow along. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. 
How many believe that's true? Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus is not rude. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. And Jesus, praise God, keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but, but Jesus rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. Jesus never fails. You know who Jesus is? He's God's grace with a face. Boom, write that down, get a tattoo. If you want to know what the love of God is like, look at Jesus. He's, he's grace with a, with a face. Grace is not just a doctrine we believe in. Grace is a truth that we walk in. This is the Christian life. Watch me now. It's giving and receiving. Somebody asked me on the way up here, hey man, did you give this morning? And I thought... What is that dude talking about? Yeah, I gave him the offering last night. What are, you, what are you getting at? He goes, no, man, you talked about receiving and giving. Receiving and giving last night. Like you ate dinner last night. He goes, did you give this morning? <laughs> took me a second to go. I'm at men's roundup right now, so I feel the free. I, he's asking me if I took a good dump this morning. That's what he's asking me. I'm like, I gave, brother. I'm feeling light and free, you know. <laughs> it's all good. All right. That was a total distraction. That was not from the Holy Spirit. Do not take notes on that part. He took a dump this morning. The Christian life is learning to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, the truth of God. And give it away to other people. That's it. Because life is about relationships. In the end, all that matters is God and people. So God works it in. And we work it out. Now. For all of you who've been in church a long time, that's how you grow. The more you surrender to the flow, the more you will grow. That's how that works. Your soul was not created to be a reservoir. A reservoir, water goes in and stops. The biggest reservoir in the world, I think, definitely was in Bible times, was the Dead Sea. You know why it's dead? Because it's a reservoir. You've got to let the river flow. Your soul was made to flow. It's not a reservoir. A lot of us, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, and it stops. You can know a lot and still be dead. You can know a lot and your soul still be really small and shriveled. Bible times, you can know a lot and still crucify the Son of God. Be very careful with knowledge being the goal. The Bible says the goal is not knowledge, it's love. And grace is what love looks like in a broken world. The more that you surrender to the flow, the more that you grow. God works it in and we work it out. God works it in and we work it out. You got all the nutrition in the world, but you've never worked it. So you can be a fat, flabby soul spiritually. You got to work it out. God works it in and we work it out. In fact, right now, if you and I just live up to what we've already obtained, those are the words of the Apostle Paul, how different would our lives be? If we just applied already what we already know, if we just lived up to what we've already obtained, how much would our lives change? I was talking to a guy at, at dinner the other night, and he was like, 
this stuff, he's like, don't let me insult you, Chad. He goes, you're, you're talking about, he, he, he goes, honestly, there's really simple things. And I said, yeah. It's simply profound. Can you imagine if every dude that came to Roundup this year applied the simple things? My goodness, the world would change, friends. Sometimes we want deep, and by the way, I'm going to soapbox just for a second. For all of you pastors here, you're going to be so thankful. I, I'm going to say what I'm about to say. Anytime somebody comes to me and says, Chad, you know, I love Sun Valley and people are meeting Jesus. And, you know, in, in our church, I, I really believe there's, there's a movement of God going on. And we, and, and we love it. But I just want something a little more deep. First of all, I go, what do you mean by that? And he, here, here's the answer. They don't have a freaking clue what they mean. What they mean is, can you please talk to us about things we don't understand so that we don't have to do anything with it? Give me a Greek word. Woo, that's deep. Great. How'd it change your life? Shut up. Let's talk eschatology, right? Like, is it premillennial, postmillennial? Which is it? Let me help you. Nobody freaking knows. That's why there's so many theories. I, I'm not going to die on that hill, okay? When it comes to the end of time, I'm not on the planning committee. I'm on the welcoming committee. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, we should get off our freaking blessed assurance and help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Guys, I'm glad you're happy I'm yelling at you. Be really careful with that kind of thinking. The New Testament says the same stuff over and over and over again. You're like, it does? Just read it. Just read it. What we've got to do is continually apply, continually apply, continually apply. And when we do that, we change. I'm going to give you one more example because I'm, I'm totally soapboxing here. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, Jesus wraps up the greatest sermon ever preached with this, and it will sound familiar to you. He says, he who has these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The storm came, but the house stood because it was built on the rock. Hear these? And then he said, he who has these words of mine but does not practice them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the storms came, and that house fell with a great crash. And then he dropped the mic walked off, okay? <laughs> Pop quiz. Rock people, sand people. Who had the words of Jesus? What was the difference? Practice. Thus saith the Lord. The sand people knew it, but didn't do it. The rock people said, I need to apply. Thus saith the Lord. That's deep. Okay. Love, grace is a choice too. Five things quickly. We're going to break this passage down quickly. Number one, be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Love is patient and love is kind. 
Let me tell you what thoughtfulness is. Thoughtfulness is the art of knowing what to overlook. It's a choice to be thoughtful. Love is patient. Love is kind. Grace is patient. Grace is kind. Um, I, I think I said this yesterday. I was talking about, you know, God wants to reach the people that vote differently than I do. And so I got to reach across the aisle there and, and, and not be a, a, a jerk, right? Because God hadn't called us to win arguments, guys. God's called us to win people. And you can win the argument and lose a bunch of people. But at least you own them. Yeah, Jesus ain't happy with that. That had anything to do with love is patient, love is kind. You guys with me? Okay, what we're talking about today requires a whole lot of wisdom and it requires a whole lot of strength. Don't be fooled. This is, this is not wimpy, weak stuff. This is wise, strong stuff. Thoughtfulness is the art of knowing what to overlook and seeing what really matters. Okay? I'm going to give you this and then we're going to move to the next one. Being right is a great burden. Use your brain on this one. Being right is a great burden. Because you can be right, but then be really wrong in the way that you go about being right. And if you are wrong in the way that you go about being right, you're wrong. You know why we've lost the culture war? Because we've reaped what we've sown. We yelled at everybody so long, now they're yelling back. We stood in our righteousness and we walked around and boasted about it. And we're still doing it and we're getting our butt kicked. Again, the tactics of the enemy instead of the battle plan of the Lord. Is everybody tracking with me right now? Okay. Being right is a great burden. Jesus was always right as he was hanging out with drunkards and prostitutes and sinners and people that probably voted differently than he would have. Right? Okay. Now, let's take this at home. Thoughtfulness is the art of knowing what to overlook. Not everything matters. You know? I used to, my, my, my young adult son who's 19 now, right? Used to, I'd freak out that his room wasn't clean. Like, that's how intense I was. Right? Now he's 19, I'm like, dude, don't get anybody pregnant and don't go to jail. You know? Like, you see how that changes? When you start, now I want him to clean his room too. That's important and it helps in life, okay? But, but, but we tend to freak out over little bitty things. Jesus said it this way, we strain at gnats and swallow camels. Has anybody ever heard that before? Uh, those are the words of Jesus. We strain at gnats and swallow camels. What he's saying to the religious people is, you are freaking out about the smallest little things and you are forgetting about what matters most. Love is patient. Love is what? Kind. Kindness and patience is not weakness, it's just wisdom. It's, it's grace at play, and actually it requires a whole lot of strength. So, so it's the art of knowing what to overlook. We want to be right in the way that we go about being right. Does this make sense? And it really is, and I've said this a few times, it really is the tension of grace and truth. Well, which is it? It's both. Is it grace or is it truth? Yes. And what we want to do is we want to resolve that. But Jesus is full of, of grace and, and truth. If you want a leadership principle, okay, with your family or, or, or with neighbors or colleagues or whatever, in talking about this thoughtfulness, here it is. And, and you can write this down if you want. I'm going to say it slowly. Love first. Lead second. But always do both. That's grace and truth. Love first. Lead second 
but always do both. What love does is it gives you the relational equity to lead. If you just come at somebody and smack them with the truth, all you did was smack somebody. No one be around you anymore. You have no influence because you're a smacker. And nobody likes to be smacked, right? But if you love first, <laughs> Jesus loved people he disagreed with. And you and I can too. Love first, lead second, but always do both. Okay, my kid does something stupid. Love first. Hear these words. Jackson, he's not in here this morning, so I'm going to talk about him. Jackson, help me understand. You hear those words? Help me understand. Help me understand why you made this decision. Then you just shut up and listen. Let them talk. Then I might even say something like this. Dude, you know that I love you, right? Okay. I'm going to tell you something because I, I love you and I want to help you. That was really dumb. I mean, seriously, man. Let's just break it down. Man, 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 man. All right, so here's the consequence, and let's not do that next time. Or I can just smack him with the truth. You idiot. What the hell were you thinking, right? Okay, but one builds trust, relationship, because rules without relationship will equal what? Rebellion. One builds trust, right? If I go the love route, the other I'm just smacking him. Make sense? Okay, there's a wisdom in this. Grace, love, be thoughtful. Two, be humble. Love, grace is a choice to be humble. We talked about that a lot, obviously, last night. Uh, love, grace does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Uh, you know, here's what humility is. And I don't know if I gave it to you last night or not, but if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Write this down. Humility is, is, is a trust word. Here it is. Humility is trusting God and others. Trusting God and others with the real me. That's what humility is. Humility is trusting God and others with the real me. Okay. So love, grace here, love is not an adjective. Sometimes we think it's an adjective to describe my feelings. Okay. And that can be in the English language. But here in this passage, love is a verb. It's an action I choose to take. So this is why we're talking about choices. So it's a choice to be thoughtful. It's a choice to practice humility. And humility is a trust word. It, it builds trust, right? And, and it's how we operate in, in a trusting relationship with somebody else. I'll give you one more line and then we'll move to the next one because we really camped out on humility last, last night. The degree that I trust you is equal to the degree that I allow you to love me. The degree that I trust you is equal to the degree that I allow you to love me. Okay? So what we constantly want to do with our wives, uh, with our kids, with our friends, is we want to build trust. Uh, some of you last night, you got convicted, okay? The Holy Spirit spoke to you, and you thought, I need a dude in my life to protect me. I don't want to get eaten by the lion. And you're like, so I, I need somebody that I can, you know, because confession is most powerful when you confess the sin you think about you're thinking about doing, right? Like, I need somebody I can talk to continually about my, my, my life. And so you're looking around going, I don't even know how this works, all right? Do not social media out what I'm about to say. So here's what you do. You just start dating dudes. 
What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean if you social media it out what all those people would think it means. Okay. What, what it means is uh, you just start hanging out with some guys. Trust is built up close and over time. Let me say that again. Trust is built up close and over time. And you start meeting with some dudes in, in your church. And you'll figure out over time who you can trust. And you just let a little more out. You let a little more out. You let a little more out. And then eventually, as you're praying and, and practicing, okay, God will take you to a place where you got a man that will really help you. And you'll really help them because there's a trusting warrior-to-warrior relationship. Does that make sense? But in the beginning, you kind of got to date a little bit. I don't know how else to say that. But, but you got to test the waters. Okay? And that's how you build trust. And the more humble you are with each other, the stronger the relationship will be and the closer to Jesus you will walk because you're walking in reality and you're not full of crap. Okay? The world does not need men who are full of crap. The world needs real men. And what is a real man? It's a man who is? Be humble. Number three, love grace is a choice to serve. To serve. Man, some of you guys this weekend, you are just modeling this so well. I mentioned Eric a moment ago. That dude worked his butt off for all you guys this weekend, uh, as well as a bunch of other guys. Uh, serving is what love looks like when it's happening. You can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving. Does that make sense? It's, it's a choice to, to, to serve. Giving and serving is what love looks like when it's, when it's happening. Serve. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Um, if you're taking notes there, write this. Love is the process of meeting needs. Love is the process of meeting needs. Love says, I'll do what's best for you regardless of how it affects me. That's what love is. I'll do what's best for you regardless of, of how it affects me. Just walked out of the camera. There you go. Um... I looked up, and I, oh, there's my shoulder. Um, sorry, I get distracted. I'm a little bit ADD. How about you guys? So, sometimes I'm talking along, and I'm like, oh, look, a bird. Oh, yeah, Jesus, right? You know, last night I looked up, and a bat flew in front of the projector. Were you guys seeing that? Yeah, I'm preaching. I'm like, oh, look, a bat, uh, Jesus. <laughs> Love is a decision uh, to serve. It's the process of meeting needs. Uh, giving and serving is how it works. Uh, if you went home and just decided to uh, serve your wife, like you just woke up every day and said, that's what I'm going to do, your marriage would probably radically change for the good. There was a season uh, in my wife and I's marriage and we were actually separated. It was years ago. Um, we're talking about like 17 years ago. Uh, my youngest son doesn't even, doesn't even know this because he's not in here right now. Um, like, like I didn't like her, like some things blew up. I told you we were both relational idiots when we, we got married. And, uh, and so we were separated, and then she came home, and I was trying to follow Jesus, but I still didn't really like her. Some of you, that's where you're at right now. And so some time went on, and um, she uh, got pregnant with Jackson. Jackson is our grace baby. And... Um, first trimester of the pregnancy, she was throwing up all the time. And she couldn't keep any food down. To the extent that uh, we had to have a nurse come every day and give her an IV to make sure she was getting enough nutrition for her and, and for the baby. And so for like six weeks, all I did for that woman was give and serve. 
and the church uh, was growing at the time. We, this was like two years after our separation. The church was growing at the time, and, and again, I was committed to my wife, but, but I had a hard time just really having those emotions across the board. And um, for six weeks, all I did was give and serve. I was working my tail off at work. I would come home, and I'm doing the dishes and the laundry and all that, and I'm taking care of her. And here's what I'm telling you. Emotion follows action. Emotion follows action. Love is a verb. It's a choice. And so what God did is he put me in this place where for six weeks, all I could do was give and serve my wife. And about week five, after giving and serving, giving and serving, giving and serving, and let me just lay it all out there for men's roundup. So we hadn't had sex in five, six weeks. Uh, she didn't do the laundry, right, for five or six weeks. She didn't do any of the things that, you know, she would normally be doing, the things that I enjoy about our relationship, right? Like I, I, I was doing everything. And about five weeks in, I thought, I think I'm in love with this woman. <laughs> Laying there with an IV, I'm like, man, she's sexy, you know? Like, she's beautiful laying there with that IV pregnant with my baby. I gotta go do the dishes. <laughs> and I'm telling you, dudes, giving and serving, like that's all I did. Like changed my heart. Could be the Bible is too legit to quit. It could be it's real. It could be we ought to freaking be doing what it says. It could be we shouldn't be living our lives by our emotions because feelings aren't facts. And it could be that the facts and the truth of God's word will actually help us get happier than we are right now. Because here's what I've learned. I can get happy in the same pants I'm getting upset in. And the secret is surrender. Gentlemen, if you will just wake up every day and surrender your life to Jesus and follow him. Don't talk it, but walk it. Like, really follow him and surrender to the power of the Spirit. Your life will radically change. There's this fruit that will start showing up. This is Bible. Here's the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's Galatians 5.22. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So we serve. We, we give and serve. Number four, we be honest. Love rejoices with the truth. All right, I'm going to give you a line to write down. Grace is happening. Grace is happening when someone is cared for more because they were honest, not less. Grace is happening when someone is cared for more because they were honest, not less. I'm going to give you one here and then I'm going to give you the last one. If you're a parent, you want honesty in your house. Because love rejoices in the what? In the truth. So if your kid tells you something and you freak out about it, you know what you just did? You taught them to lie to you next time because you can't handle the truth. Jack Nicholson is in your face <laughs> going, you can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world with walls that have to be guarded by men with guns. Have you seen that movie? It's a few good men. Okay. Your kid tells you the truth and the truth sucks and the truth is hard. 
and that reality is painful, the first thing you do is you take a breath in your wisdom and the strength as you are firmly planted in the love and grace of God, and you say, hey, you knew I wouldn't be happy about what you just said, and you told me anyway. Thank you for trusting me. I love you. Now let's talk about discipline, right? <laughs> uh, now let's talk about how to, how to move forward. But does this make sense? It's, it's the power of grace. It's the power of, of love. It, it, it celebrates in, in the truth. And what gets celebrated, by the way, guys, gets repeated. If we only give our kids attention when they mess up, you're celebrating them messing up. Give them attention a lot when they do things right. What gets celebrated gets repeated. Celebration doesn't just mean yay, it means attention, right? So we want to celebrate, we want to foster honesty in our house. Somebody is loved more because they were honest, not less, and they feel it. So love is a choice to be thoughtful, be humble, to serve, to be honest. Last one, number five, love is a choice not to give up, to not give up. Grace, love, always protects, always trusts, always hopes. It always perseveres. Most of us in the modern world have a low threshold for pain. Um, if you're taking notes, just write this down. Love ain't easy. Love ain't easy. It's not good English, but it's good Bible. Love ain't easy. Love is not for wimps. Love is for warriors. All right, dudes. So here's what we do. Each day we surrender. We open our palms up. We open our lives up. And we say, God, fill me. Fill me with your love, your mercy, your grace, your truth. And then we live that out. God works it in and we work it out. And the more that we surrender to the flow, the more that we, that we grow. In the end, all that matters is, say it with me. So we walk in wisdom. We receive help and love in our time of need and humility. And we realize grace is not a doctrine. It's not just, let me add the word just, not just a doctrine we believe in. It, it's a truth that we walk in. God works it in us and we work it out amongst us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you and praise you that holy ground is not about a place. We're grateful for Camp Tadmore. We're grateful. We'll be back next year. Um, we'll commit to you in, in that. We, we need this because it fills us up. But we're thankful, God, that you don't just live here. Uh, you're everywhere. And so I pray as we go home that we will go home with hearts and minds that are focused. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us each day, that, that we would just choose to ask you that each day, just to fill us from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head. And may, may we walk in your counsel. May we keep step with you. May we walk in your power. And in that, may we love our wives better, our children better, our friends better. May, may we represent you well. And so teach us, we pray. Uh, men of God are simply that, just men of God. And so God, fill us, work it in us, and may we work it out amongst us. And may we remember that when it's all said and done, all that matters is our relationship with you and our relationship with others.
Teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.